welcome all of our Fairview family and the Fairview campus. Welcome them to the service this morning. Come on, give God praise this morning. He's worthy. He's worthy of our praise, worthy of our singing, worthy of our worship. He's just worthy. Amen. Say, why is he worthy? He's worthy not because of what he did. He's worthy because of who he is. If he never did anything, he's still worthy. He's still worthy. Amen. Boy, I feel like preaching this morning. Amen. Listen here. Grab your Bible. Grab your Bible and turn with me to 1 John. 1 John chapter number 4. It's all the way in the back of your Bible. Not the Gospel of John, but the first letter of John. All the way to the back of your Bible. I want to I want to I want to try to answer a question this morning. Most of y'all remember last week we preached on the subject of unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic expectations. Uh, we found out that many of us are are putting unrealistic expectations on our children, on our spouses, on ourselves. You know, sometimes with God, we we apply so much pressure. We have kids that are under so much pressure and trying their best to make their parents happy and feel like they cannot accomplish that. And, and, and we, we see a, 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 an epidemic in our society today. And, and I was posed a question. I was posed a question by one of my friends after the service. They said, Preacher, I, I see what you're, what you're saying, and, I see, what, what, and I, I see it in society. I see it in these children trying their best. But, but how, do we, how do we instill in our kids... How do we instill in our kids to work hard, to do their best, to do everything we can? How do we encourage them and motivate them to go forward and not be slackers? Amen. For a, a, a better, better terms. Does everybody know what I'm saying right there? And I said, man, that's a very good question. And I believe I have the answer to that. So I'm going to try. See, here's what we have today in society. We have extremes. How many of you noticed that all society works on extremes? Either we're, we're on an extreme over here. Where we're, we're putting so much pressure on them, we're driving them and driving them and driving them, and they're, they're just getting anxiety and anxious and, 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 dep- and eventually into depression because of the, 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 what we're putting on them. But on the other hand, we, we go so far away from that that we're, we're, we're not putting anything on them and we're trying to shield them from everything and we're creating a society of sissies. Y'all with me? Everybody gets a trophy. They never hear the word no. We want little Johnny to have everything. And we create, we create somebody who just doesn't want to be offended. Y'all with me? So we got both extremes. How many of y'all know you don't have a right not to be offended? How many of y'all know being offended is not that big a deal? I'm offended. So... It's not going to kill you, right? And I mean, I don't, I don't want to offend nobody, and I don't really like getting offended, but my offended is subjective. Are y'all with me? And we're trying to legalize all this. What? Anyway, we're going to, I wanted the title today, How Not to Raise Sissies. Amen? That's what I wanted to, but we're not going to do that. We're, I promise you, I promise you, God has given me a word today, and I, I'm, I'm, I couldn't wait to get up here because it's so, it's great, man. God has showed me something that's going to really help us in our lives, our relationships, not with just our children, but if you're a coach in here, I know we've got tons of coaches in here. If you're a coach in here, I'm going to help you today. I am, I'm telling you, I'm going to help you, and I need to see some kickback from this. Amen. Amen. So if your team wins a lot, uh, remember me at Cracker Barrel. Say amen right there. All right? All right. Some of y'all, I don't care what I'm going to say, you're not going to smile for nothing. Amen. But I'm just going to keep right on. Amen, amen. First John, First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. Man, it is so good to have our Fairview crowd with us today and our Fairview family. Uh, it is an awesome deal what God is doing out there. I'm telling you what. Amen. Look here in 1 John chapter 5, verse 16. If you found your spot, say amen. amen. And we have known and believed. Now, those are two major key words in this particular passage. If you can write in your Bible, I would underline those two words because we're going to come back to that. We have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect. The word perfect means complete, mature, 
it says that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, talking about Jesus, as he is, so are we in this world. What does that mean? It means God the Father looks at everyone that is saved as he is looking at his son. Do you understand that? In other words, when he sees you, he sees him. Woo! There is no fear in, in love. But perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment, doesn't it? He that feareth, he that feareth is not made perfect in wow he that fit now remember he's talking to Christians here he that feareth is not made perfect in love we love him we love him because you see, our love is reactionary we love him it's a reaction how you know that because he first loved oh yeah i have a word this morning amen lord thank you for your blessings thank you for your goodness thank you for your touch thank you for your word that is so encouraging and is so it is so pertinent to the day we're living in lord this is not an outdated document this word endureth to all generations it's just as relevant today as it's ever been and i pray that you'll help me deliver the word and the truth you've given me today in jesus name we pray amen amen, amen. you may be seated you may be seated I, here's what i want to do <clears throat> I've got, I've got some technical stuff to talk about, and I'm going to read off here in just a minute. Uh, but if you'll give me an opportunity, let me, let me explain these few verses, and then I want to apply them. I want to apply them to what we're talking about and what we've been talking about the last few weeks. If, if you get that and understand that, say amen. Okay, here was the question. Remember, here was the question. One of my friends, right after the service, they said, Well, preacher, how do we do this? How do we uh, uh, teach our children and train our children, discipline our children, and, and motivate our children and apply the right amount there so that they will do their best and they will try hard and they, they will be effective citizens? And, and so as I was thinking, God kind of put this on me. And so here's what I want to explain. In these verses right here, in these verses right here, he is basically talking to Christians who are, are kind of walking around, maybe because of uh, just, just not understanding, maybe because of false teaching. How many of y'all know there's a lot of false teaching today? I went to the store. I went to the store uh, this week, at which I always go. I go get my monster drink and my cosmic brownie. Say amen. <laughs> it, 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 it will bless your heart. Say amen. Uh, any brownie that's got uh, the chocolate uh, specks on the top of it, oh. And so I go in, I go in, and, and, and I get it, and I, I stop at the counter, and, 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 and my friend behind the counter, he says this, Preacher, I got a question for you. I said, okay. He said, I was watching this preacher on TV. I said, stop. I said, I don't recommend that. He said, I know, I know, I know. Let me ask you, you know. And, and what he asked was, anyway, are y'all with me? There's a lot of false teaching out there. And because of false teaching, we have Christians today who are walking around kind of in fear, afraid of God, and afraid that God is up in heaven with a lightning bolt just waiting for them to mess up. And I'll be honest with you, some of, some of the, the, the evangelists and the preachers that came into the church where I was growing up, they preached in a way that even if you was saved, you thought you might be going to hell. Are y'all with me? So anytime you're sitting here like on pins and needles, you know, uh, uh, if I say, did I say that wrong? Oh, God, excuse me. And I, it, this, whole, this whole verse set of verses is to take that away. It's to take that away. You know what we learn from this? It says, it says fear equals torment. Torment. Are y'all with me? Now, let me, let me just give you the brief, and then, and then we'll go by the points. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. In these verses, he's saying this. If you truly understood and known, it says, we have known 
and believed. Two different words. Known means to be informed. Believe there. It means to mentally agree. Here's, here's what I mean. Somebody can say, I love you, but there's a whole different feeling to believe it. Y'all with me? Or to feel it. What, what John is saying here is we have known, we were informed, and we believe. We totally get it. We understand. We comprehend the love that God has for us. And because we understand the love God has for us, we have confidence. Because he's saying we have confidence in the day of judgment. In other words, I'm not walking around worried about that day. Because Jesus on a hill called Calvary, he shed his blood. He was nailed to a cross. He took every one of my failures, every one of my mistakes, every one of my wrongdoings. And God nailed it to a cross. And he took my judgment so I don't have to. Yes! And when you understand that, when you understand that God loves you so much, and not only that, but He looks at you just like He looks at His Son. It says, as He is, talking about Jesus, as He is, so are we. So you don't have to be afraid of God the Father. Now, we fear Him. We respect Him. It's like my Father. I didn't walk around just trembling around in this, but but I respected Him. Are y'all with me? And I had that reverent fear and, and, and the, the love and the respect there. But I wasn't, I wasn't in torment around him. He was my father. I loved him. Did y'all see the difference? And if we understand that Jesus and or God the Father looks at us like he looks at his son. You say, how does he look at his son? He looked down on him and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He said, that's my boy. Y'all get it? And so when, when, when we understand God's love, we have confidence. We walk around in confidence. We don't walk around in fear. And because we don't walk around in fear, we don't have torment. We have freedom. Do you understand that? Now, let's apply this truth to our behavior with these children. Let's apply this truth with our behavior with each other. How do we do this then? Now, now, does this mean, uh, now watch this, watch this. Now, this is going to catch you off guard. <clears throat> How many of y'all know that, that, that God loves you? So we get that. We're all in agreement right there, right? How many of y'all know God will whoop you? It says he will chasten, scourge. Say, what's a scourging? That's a bad whooping. Now watch. Whom the Lord loveth. Say it with him. Whom the Lord loveth. He chasteneth. So, so you, got, you got a bunch of liberals running around saying that, oh, just love, just love, just love, just love. God just love, just love. No, he'll beat you. Mm-hmm. Y'all with me? Now how many of y'all had parents like that? How many of y'all had grandparents like that? My grandmama would whoop you. Y'all with me? Not because they hated you, but because they... You see, there's a balance here. You can love your child while training your child, while disciplining your child. You, watch this, let me just let... You can be hard on your children. But preacher, but preacher, you just said about them unreal. Say, hold on, let me finish. Let me tell you, God doesn't play. He is, he is tough on his children. He will discipline his children. He expects holiness out of his children. Y'all with me? But then on the other hand, man, he loves his children. Now here's, here's where we put it all together. If you're taking notes, write this down. I promise you, I'm going somewhere. I just had to set the table. Here's the deal. Let's look at, let's, let's focus on this a minute with our children. All right, here's some facts. Write this down. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Here's some facts about what we just learned. And, and here's, here's the word I use. I use the word felt. Felt. 
All right, you say, why did you use that? I went back to the word informed and believed. Okay, it's one thing to hear somebody loves you. It's another thing to feel it. I had, a, I, had a, I had a preacher friend of mine who had a father that was really tough. I mean, he's just tough. And how many of y'all know a lot of this is hereditary? You treat your kids how your parents treated you. And you raise them. And, and, and let me say this. I, I've done heard this already. The preacher, people don't like when you go to talking about parenting. They think that's none of your business. Well, then you shouldn't have came today. Yeah, ho, ho, ho. I'm not, ho, 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 ho. I'm not being arrogant. I promise you, that's not an arrogant statement. That's not what I'm saying. They say, well, preacher, that people think that that's, that, that's mind your own business. It is my business. It is my business. My business as the shepherd is to see a fox and to see a wolf and to see a lion and to see a disease in my sheep. And if there's a disease in my sheep, I have a responsibility to deal with it. Amen? Now watch. Now watch, here's the deal. This preacher friend of mine, his father was just rough on him. I mean, rough on him. And one day when he was 16 years old, he was riding in the truck. You know, they had a, just a, a volatile relationship. And he looked over at his dad and said this, You've never said you love me. And he, and he hadn't. He hadn't. He never vocalized. He never verbally said, I love you. But this is what his response was. His father looked at him like, are you crazy? And, and, and my friend is telling me this. And this is, this is my friend is in his 60s. And he's, and he's a wise man. And this is what he said. He said, my father looked at me and said, son, every single time I got out of my bed with a fever of 103 and went to work so you could have something to eat, I was saying, I love you. When I was working overtime so I could buy that horse you wanted, I was saying, I love you. And he went on and on and on. Now, here's what we're saying. That's right. That's right. That's right. He was saying he loved. But here's the problem with that. Yes, he was communicating in his own way that he loved him. But the son was not getting it. And I don't care how much somebody tries to communicate or tell you they love you, if you don't feel it, it doesn't work. Does this make sense? That's why I'm using the word felt. Okay, here's some truths we learned from this verses. All right, first, felt love boosts confidence. What do we see in these kids today? They're having to take medicine. They're having to take medicine because they're living afraid. They're afraid of not, of not living up to someone's standards and someone's expectations, unrealistic sometimes expectations. And because they're afraid, what does fear bring? Torment. And we have kids shaking. We have kids with issues. We have kids with problems because they're walking around afraid. And because of that, they're being tormented. And because they're being tormented, they need medicine. Does this make sense? But what does love do? Felt love felt love. Watch what it says. I'm just going to give you Bible. I'm not making this up. Watch this. Watch, watch this. Herein, herein, verse 17, <clears throat> verse 17, herein is our love made perfect that we may have, that we may have boldness. In other words, when I've known and believed the love that God has for me, it produces courage. It produces confidence. It produces boldness. Kids are walking around today like timid. They're afraid to mess up. They're afraid to mess up. They're afraid. And because of that, but you let a kid that's this confident in his, his love. When you have, you have a kid who knows without a shadow of a doubt, no question whatsoever, he is told and he believes and he feels his parents' love, he's not walking around like this. He's walking around with boldness. I had one of my staff members tell me this. He said that his father had, a, had just an unbelievable way. Everything they did, he praised them. Man, you did a good job raking that yard. My goodness, look at that weed-eating job you did. And it just all building them up, building them up. He said one day him and his brother was over at his cousin's house. And they were doing some chores that the, the uncle had told them to do. And they were there. And about that time, the uncle pulled, pulled into the driveway. And those two cousins seen the uncle. And they just went, oh, 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 
And they looked at each other like, what in the what? what? And when the uncle got out, he started criticizing everything. Well, you should have done this more. You didn't get enough of the leaves up, or you didn't cut in a straight line with the... What happened? All the criticism created a fear. And the fear created torment. But when, when a kid feels loved, he's not going to the plate hoping not to miss. He's going to the plate saying, I'm going to knock it out the park. We need to instill and communicate love because love boosts confidence. Second thing, I'm going to go somewhere. I'm telling you, it's all going to make sense in just a minute. Felt love boosts confidence. Not only that, look at this. Look at this. Verse, uh, uh, let's see, let's see. Verse number, verse number 18. Look at verse 18. There is no fear in what? But watch what love will do. But perfect love casteth out fear. Not only does felt love boost confidence, but felt love banishes fear. Banishes fear. Oh, yeah, I'm going somewhere. Mm-hmm. Watch this. Unfelt love. Unfelt love produces fear. Watch this. In the same verse, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. Watch this. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. What he's saying here in this verse, if you're walking around as a Christian and you're afraid, you don't understand God's love for you. You you don't get it. You don't get it. You don't understand how much God loves you and what his love means to you. Because perfect love, when you get it, you're not going to be afraid anymore. So what's happening with these children? What's happening with these children? They're not feeling loved. I tell them all the time, but they're not feeling it. And, and unfelt love produces, help me, now watch this, and fear, this is the last one under that, fear produces, how many of y'all know what it means to be afraid? It's tormenting. And see, that's, that's another reason why I don't understand freaks that go and ride a roller coaster. I don't understand that. <laughs> or they go to a haunted house. Why am I going to pay some crazy man in a mask and a chainsaw to torment me? I need a witness from the same people in the house. Amen. I'm sorry, I just had to get that off my chest. (laughs) Y'all with me? Fear creates and produces torment. Now, I'm telling y'all, I'm not just coming off the top of my head with this. I've been in counseling. I'm talking about ridiculous amounts where I'm seeing kids that are sitting there trembling in the couch. Tormented because they're afraid. What are they afraid of? that they're not living up to their parents' expectations. And they're trying to make everybody happy, and, and by doing that, they're making nobody happy, and they feel like they can't live up to what everybody thinks they should be, and so they live in fear. And because they live in fear, they're feeling tormented. I don't know why kids are doing the things they're doing. I'm trying to tell you. Let me, let me give you a little, little hint. The Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. Talking about Jesus. Let me tell you how God the Father treated God the Son. Before he ever healed one single person, before he ever turned water into wine, before he ever walked on water, before he ever calmed the sea and calmed the waves and calmed nature, before he ever raised the dead, before he ever fed 5,000 with one lad's lunch, before he ever performed anything, At his baptism, before he did anything, he said, This is my beloved son, in whom I am. Before he did anything, God the Father said, That's my boy. Now let me ask you a question. 
can your kid walk around with this and say, I don't have to do anything. If I did have to do anything, I don't have to because my dad's pleasing me regardless. I don't have to hit a home run. I don't have to score the winning touchdown. I don't have to shoot the winning uh, three-point. I don't have to do none of that. My dad likes me just the way I am. Amen. That's right. Now watch. So where's the problem? Here's number two. Here's the failure. We learn the facts. Felt love produces confidence. Felt love, what does it do? It banishes fear. Unfelt love produces fear. And fear produces torment. So what's the problem, preacher? Here's the thing. There's no doubt in my mind. And, and, and I want to tell you, parents, there's no doubt in my mind, I know you love your kids. And if you don't, you don't need them. I'm just, I'm just going to say it. I said it. You don't need them. Because a kid needs unconditional love. Who am I saying? An adult needs unconditional love. And so I know, I know you're, you're telling your kids in your way that you love them. But here's a problem. Here's a failure. Two things. Write these two things down and we'll, we'll discuss it. There's two things we're having issues with. Communication and demonstration. Communication and demonstration. In other words, communicating love to demonstrating love. How many of y'all have ever heard the word talk is? Help me, help me, help me. Over here on the right, talk is. Sure is. If you are saying you love them, but not demonstrating you love them, actions speak louder. You say, what has this got to do with God? Everything. Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth. The word commendeth means to put on display. God didn't just say, hey, y'all, I love y'all. God said this, hey, y'all, I love y'all. And let me show you how much I love y'all. God commendeth his love. He put on display his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved you when you was a sinner. He loved you when you was a failure. He loved you when you was messed up. He loved you when you was unlovable. He loved all those and gave his son so you could go free. He didn't just communicate it. He demonstrated. Now let's talk about communication a little bit. Let's talk about communication a little bit. Y'all ready? You don't look ready. Where are, we, where are we messing up with this thing? Where are we messing up with this communicating preacher? How in the world does my kid not understand that I love them? I tell them all the time. Well, let's see. Let's see. Watch this. I wanna, I wanna, I'm going to read you some information from people smarter than me. <clears throat> Smart enough to bring their glasses to the pulpit. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> This will never work. Amen. All right. All right, here we go. Here we go. Y'all ready? According to the Nobel Prize winning scientist Daniel Kahneman, each day we experience approximately 20,000 moments. A moment is defined as a few sec sec seconds in which our brain records an experience. The quality of our days is determined by how our brains recognize and categorize our moments, either positive, negative, or neutral. And the, and the scientists say we rarely have neutral moments. Most of our moments are either positive or, and depending on how many positives compared to the negative, depends on what kind of mood you're going to have. Does everybody understand that? Now watch. There is no question that the memories of our lives are recorded in terms of positive and negative experiences. Now scientists propose that each day our brains, our thoughts and emotions keep track of our positive and negative moments. And the resulting score contributes to our overall mood. Now this is going to make sense. Watch this. You're awesome, man. 
Yeah, yeah, you're right. Thank you. Oh, yeah. All right, here we go. Now watch this, watch this. Over the past decade, scientists have explained the impact of positive to negative interaction ratios in their work and personal lives. They have found that this ratio can be used to predict with remarkable accuracy everything from workplace performance to divorce. Now watch this. This is going to blow your mind. This work began with noted psychologist John Gottman's, his exploration of positive to negative ratios in marriages. Using a 5 to 1 ratio, which Gottman dubbed the magic ratio, he and his colleagues predicted whether 700 newlywed couples would stay together or divorce by scoring their positive and negative interactions in one 15-minute conversation between each husband and wife. They took 700 couple or 700 husband and wives and listened to a 15-minute segment of conversation. And they recorded how many negative things were said and how many positive things were said in that 15-minute conversation. And by those, predicted whether they would stay together or not. Y'all with me? Watch this. Ten years later, the follow-up revealed that they had predicted divorce with 94% accuracy. Y'all get that? Now, let me explain why that is that way. Let me explain why that is that way. Here's another study. Studies conducted by Dr. John Cassiopo of the University of Chicago has shown what he calls the negative bias of the brain. Our brains are actually more sensitive and responsive to unpleasant news. That's why personal insults or criticism hit us harder and stay with us longer. It's why negative ads are more effective than positive ones, political or otherwise. Watch this now. Not only do we have a built-in partiality towards negative information, but negatives increase disproportionately over the positive. In other words, it's not a one-to-one ratio. One positive comment does not negate one negative one. Here's, Here's how this works. In other words, one positive cannot offset one negative. When you tell your husband, thanks for giving the kids a bath, honey, and then five minutes later you forgot to take out the trash again, the negative completely drowns out the positive. Our brain needs a higher number of positive entries to counterbalance this built-in negative negativity bias. In other words, several small frequent positive acts pack more punch than one giant positive. Here's the key. Here's the key. Uh, Scott, will you grab me that pot right there? I cannot come out the square because they will not see me. All right? The pot is right behind the the back of that wall there. Just set it right right here. All right? Thank you. Thank you, bud. Watch this. Here's Here's the deal. Here's the important thing to remember. The size of the positive does not count. Quantity does. Quantity does. It's a numbers game. Now, watch this. Here's And let me explain it. That's why throwing his wife an expensive surprise birthday party at a fine restaurant cannot make up for a husband's daily negative behavior and remarks. A wife's present to her husband of the new riding mower he had his eye on won't compensate on her continual nagging and critical comments. One supersized positive cannot offset multiple negatives. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. I'm saying this. This pot represents your child's need for affirmation. Your child's need for positive comments. Your child, your husband, your wife, whatever it may be. This represents their fulfillment. They're at peace. In other words, we invest in them and we we create positive in them. Are y'all with me? We tell them, man, you did a great job with that. And by the way, let me say this. Let me say this. Since my, my oldest daughter, she's visiting today. Hallelujah. So I got all my monkeys here today. I want to say, I did terrible at all this. I got a lot of making up to do. 
I didn't do good at this. And man, the more I study it, the more I see where I failed, and I see where I failed more than I, than I succeeded. And you say, well, preacher, what are you going to do? I'm going to make up for it. We can't change yesterday, but bless God, I can change today. Y'all with me? And so this pot represents our children's uh, uh, fulfillment and their, their esteem. And their, their, this is their love tank. Are y'all with me? Y'all with me? And, and we, we, we invest in that. All right? Now here, this, this ladle here represents, this ladle represents positivity. Great job. Thanks for being a good kid. I'm so glad you're my youngin. <clears throat> you have an awesome daddy. <laughs> I mean, that won't, that, 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 that's not. Close, amen. Right? This is that ladle. Now watch this. Now, how many of y'all know we got to correct them sometimes? We got to say something negative like, like, and fix, you know, they didn't do the yard right. So we got we to deal with that. But here's the thing we got to understand with the fixing and the training and, and the negativity we have, we've got to apply. This is the negative. Y'all with me? Now, now, but the difference between this one, with this one we're putting in. But with the negative, we're taking. We're taking out. You see, you say, preacher, I tell my kid I love them, but how many times have you criticized something they did? One of the things that I was terribly guilty of, and I, and I, and I, and I probably still do it a little bit, and I need to get better, is that the only time my child heard from me is when they screwed up. Or that they wore something they done, I, did, I, wasn't a, I, I wasn't approving of. So what was I doing? I was taking out. Now, I don't know if you understand this or not, but this is not equal. And you got to give a lot more of these. Now, watch this. Watch this. You say, what are you doing? The problem is with many of us, with our relationships with our children and our relationships with our spouses, is we're writing checks and we've made no deposit. But I told them I loved them. How many times did you show it? How many times did you speak in a language they understood? I need everybody to go out today and get the book, The Five Love Languages. Gary Chapman wrote it. They even have a five love languages for youngins. Are y'all with me? Go get it. Because if you don't speak in a language that they get it, that you get through. See, communication is not informing. Communication is getting through. How do you know that? How do you explain that? The best way I can explain it is one day in algebra class. He had been informing all year. But I wasn't. Help me. I wasn't. And then one day... I got it. One day it got through. One day it clicked and I, oh! And at that moment, my math teacher went, oh, God. You see, communicating is not informing. Communicating is getting through. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk to all the coaches in here. <clears throat> all the coaches. And all the parents that want to go from good to great. If you coach by intimidation, if all you do is scream and holler, scream and holler, scream and holler, and think that's going to motivate them, let me tell you what you're creating. Let me tell you what you're creating. You're creating an atmosphere of fear. And fear creates torment. And what happens is, what happens is, is the kids are out there, and this is, this is their mindset now. This is their mindset. They are hoping not to fail. So because of that fear, they're afraid to take a shot. Because of that fear, they're afraid to swing. Because of that fear, they're afraid to mess up. 
And so instead of playing loose and confident and free, they're hoping not to mess up. Now, I don't know if you understand this or not, but when you're trying not to mess up, guess what you're going to do? That same principle applies to parenting. If all we do is holler, if all we do is scream, if all we are is negative, we're going to create an atmosphere of fear. And because of that fear, there's torment. And so our kids are going to be afraid to mess up. And because of that, they're going to... And so that's going to make you holler some more. And it is a non-ending cycle. Let's do something different. Let's start praising. Five to one. I'm not saying don't get on to your kid. I'm not saying don't get on to your player. I'm not, don't, I'm not saying don't be firm and don't be hard. But if you're going to holler one time, you better praise him five times. And this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. Affirmation. Affirmation builds love. And love builds confidence. And when a kid is confident, he's not going to the place saying, I hope I don't miss it. He's going to say, I'm going to knock this thing out the park. Wait till daddy sees this. And if you want your kids to fear you, go ahead and keep screaming and hollering. But if you want your kids to love you, you praise them and praise them. And yeah, get on to them. But make sure the ratio is right. Five to one. And then your kid will love you and your player will love you and your player will run through a brick wall for you. I know I'm probably a little more psychological today, but we need to hear this. I guarantee if I was a coach, I'd rather my kid love me than fear me. Because when he loves me, he's playing loose. He's wanting to make me happy. He's not wanting to make, hope not to make me mad. Do y'all, does this make sense? Be, be firm. I believe, listen, I believe in discipline. I believe the Bible teaches discipline. Note that the Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of the child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. And there was a lot of driving in my life. Say amen. And I needed it. I needed firmness. I needed discipline. I needed strictness. But I needed somebody to put their arm around me and say, good job, son. I remember one time I was playing in the Little League, and, 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 and how many of y'all parents know that sometimes in the Little League they don't have enough referees? And, and umpires and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and when I was playing Little League Baseball, they didn't have enough for the for first base umpire, and so they'll take dads out of the stands. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? And, 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 and dads are supposed to be unbiased, right? You can't root one way or the other. you got to be, you know. Well, one day I got up, and I hit it, I, hit it, I think in left field or whatever, and I was coming around first, and dad was out there, and I heard him under his breath saying, run, run, run. I'm telling you, I heard it with my own ears. I was rounding first, and I run, boy, run, run. He looked like a ventriloquist out there. He didn't want nobody hearing. <laughs> Are you affirming your kid? Are you speaking life into them? Are you speaking positive things? Yes, we can be firm. Yes, we can be hard. Yes, we can encourage them to do their best and work hard. And, but if we don't balance it, and balance is not one-to-one, it's... Say, preacher, I'm not good at that. Here's, here's the fix. Write this down, and I'm, I'm done. I done been over time already. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the fix. How we fix this problem, preacher. Well, the first thing we do is we admit there's a problem. So what am I supposed to do? Well, first you're supposed to take the scowl off your face and stop being mad because somebody told you the truth and realize 
I might not have this down pat. Now let's be honest just a minute. Let's be honest just a minute. Can we, can we do that? Just I know people's mad and all that. Can we be honest for just about five seconds? How many parents in here, how many parents in here want to do better by your kid than what your parent did with you? And I'm not taking away from parents and grandparents. I'm just saying, we don't always have this all together. And sometimes it's a, it's a non-ending cycle. The great-grandparent treated the grandparent, so the grandparent treated the parent, and the parent's treating the kid, and the kid's going to end up treating the... So somewhere along the line, we've got to say, enough! I need to get better at this. Second thing. Not only do we, not, we need to admit there's a problem, but D, we need to learn to communicate in a way that gets through. I gave you some help. Two books, The Five Love Languages, The Five Love Languages, and The One for the Children, Five Love Languages for the Kids. That will be a great blessing to you. You see, every, every, every person doesn't, doesn't communicate love in the same way. There are five different love languages that we have. Words of affirmation, uh, gifts, quality time, uh, uh, help me, physical touch. What's the other one? Acts of service. Yeah, I hate that one. That's Tammy. <laughs> I can buy Tammy a dozen roses, and it won't mean nothing, but I can wash him dishes. Listen, she don't need no encouragement, all right? Men, y'all heard all that. Yeah, it's a bad rabbit. But I got to run it, amen. I, I, I'll, say, I'll say one time, I went in there, I went in the house, and I, I washed everything. Tammy was uptown. And, uh, and uh, my love language is words of affirmation. When people say encouraging things, it just makes me feel affirmed. It makes me feel loved. And, and when she says sweet things, whoo-hoo, say amen. <laughs> she was in town, and, and, uh, and I went in the kitchen, and I washed every dish. I washed the counters. I mean, wiped them off. Dry. I didn't just dry, wash them. I dry, washed, dried, and put away. Say amen. I'm talking about all up in the cabinets and everything. In the right spot, too. Yeah, that's important, isn't it, ladies? And I'm talking about, I mopped the floors, I swept, I did everything. I'm, I'm talking about, and, and the whole time, I'm going to get some brownie points for this. I am speaking her language. Right? Got it all done, I'm out there in the yard mowing. And I'm mowing, cannot wait for her to get home. Cannot wait for her to get And I seen her car coming down the driveway. Oh, this is great. Wait till she sees that kitchen. This is going to be so, woo! She comes outside <clears throat> with a smile on her face. And this is what she says. You want me to make you a sandwich? sandwich <laughs> I make my own sandwich I don't want no sandwich <laughs> man I hope she's not in here <laughs> you know what she was doing she was speaking her language she went in there and she saw that kitchen and she was tickled to death. And she says, I'm going to do something for my man. But I didn't want no sandwich. I wanted her to say, hey, baby. Come on, people. Speak in my language, honey. We're probably going to need counseling after this sermon. <laughs> Men, I'm 
Mimi, y'all got an extra bedroom I could use at, at your house? So, so what's the point? If we're not speaking in the language they understand, we are not getting through. Well, I can't afford a book. Let me ask you a question. Can you afford counseling? Can you afford a psychiatrist? Let me just go ahead and say this. Can you, for, can you afford a funeral? Well, I just don't have time to put in it. I guarantee you this. I guarantee you this. Parents who've had kids committed suicide, they would do whatever. It doesn't matter what it was asked. They would do it if it... So why don't we just go ahead and do it before it comes to that? Amen. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Admit there's a problem. Learn to communicate in a way that gets through. And here's the last one. Be patient and persistent. Preacher, what are you saying? You're not going to be good at this automatically. You can read the five love languages and you say, okay, that's her, that's her love language and this is my love language. Reading the book ain't going to fix it. But it'll give you the information to work on. Are y'all with me? You can do all the book learning about running a backhoe you want, but until you get on that backhoe, well, I read the manual. Yeah, but you just drove through the basement. <laughs> now, if you've ever run heavy equipment, do I have a witness right there? You got to put the book learning to use. You need to wash them dishes. Do a little vacuuming. Yeah, make make them beds. And ladies, you need to start talking sweet to your honey. <laughs> Greet him with a kiss and not a do list. That's right, I said it. Wrap your arms around him and make him proud. Say amen. I just love using my Conway Twitty voice. Hello, darling. Amen. <laughs> nice to see you. All right. That's what I meant, baby. I'm looking for you, and I don't see you. I hope you ain't in here. Amen. <laughs> now, how many of you will admit right now, every single thing I said today is a God's truth? Yeah. Then let's start practicing it. Let's start applying it. Truth that's not applied is not received. Here it is, guys. Don't forget this. Positive, negative. Let's get busy. Let's get busy. And all God's people say it. Every head bowed and every eye closed, we're going to pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, thank you, Lord, for your